Hey everyone, welcome back to Archives and Futures, a podcast for future generations. This is Ivan Lozano, your host. And today we have a really great episode with Oli Rodriguez. I love Oli. Uh, him and I have been friends for quite a while. I was his TA. He was friends with one of, or he was roommates with one of my close friends, Steve Frost. Shout out to Steve. Some housekeeping notes here. Follow us on Instagram, SoundCloud, and subscribe and rate. We are now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please give us five stars. Recommend to your friends. Subscribe. The more you do that, the more stars you give us, the easier it is for people to find us, and that really helps us out. So thanks for that. And without further ado, here is the interview. Hey everybody, this is Ivan, and we are uh, back in Carol Ann's room doing another recording. And we have in our studio somebody visiting from Los Angeles, but originally from here, from Chicago. So, introduce yourself. Who do we have here? Hi, my name is Oli Rodriguez, and I'm visiting from LA, as Ivan mentioned. I grew up in Humboldt Park, and also slash now called Westtown in Chicago. I'm an artist, an interdisciplinary artist, working in video and film, and photography, installation writing poetry as of recently nice so, nice yes. hello everyone oli thanks for joining us mm -hmm. thank you for having uh thank you for being here we're happy to have you thank you happy to see you i haven't seen oli in a bit uh it's been what like a year and a half maybe two years almost mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. it's been a minute uh, mm -hmm. so it's good to catch up with you i used to be oli's ta and then also <laughs> uh we'll go into that too because oh. i think that's an interesting part but also uh he was roommates with one of my good Judys in uh, grad school with yes. Steve Frost. Shout out to Steve. Hi, Steve. <laughs> Back in Pilsen. Mm -hmm. And you guys did not have a sink in the bathroom. I remember that. We did not. And the worst part of it was I picked the place and I didn't even notice. Talk about, <laughs> talk about ADHD. I was like, oh, this is great. This is so cheap. Thanks. Bye. And I was like. How do I tell Steven we don't have a sink in the bathroom? I like wrote out different ways I could approach it. Oh my it. gosh. <laughs> I was so upset. Oh my gosh. But yeah, that sounds like something Steve would end up in anyway. So yeah, it's true. Okay. The yeah. kitchen sink worked just fine. Exactly. For everything. Yeah. It was close enough. Yeah. It was yeah, close yeah. enough. Kept the dishes clean. There you go. Most <laughs> of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so then we also uh, spent a lot of time together at SAIC because mm -hmm. you were teaching in the photo department and then you were also involved in film and video where I... Yeah, so that was sort of a parallel that we had in our experiences there. Mm -hmm. And um, tell us about it at SAIC. How did you end up there? What did you do there? And sure. then how did it sort of transition into um, teaching there too? Sure. So coming out of undergrad, I was a gender studies and psychology major with a minor in photo. And I moved into Columbia first for film school. And after being there about a year and a half, I decided I was much more um, in terms of making an interdisciplinary artist than a filmmaker. However, I do incorporate and make films, um, but I was wanting that transition from a very strict kind of film school um, curriculum into um, more interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary um, education at SAIC. So I graduated in 09 from SAIC, from the Film, Video, and Media Animation Department and began teaching in photo a year later. However, prior to even coming to SAIC, I started editing porn for Barbara's uh, porn site she was running called oh. Spread. So oh. I, I had like a bit like 12, 13. Yeah, some, yes. yeah, just Barbara for Barbara de Genevieve, art mom. Uh, think about her every single mm -hmm. fucking day. Mm -hmm. uh, what's up, Babs? Hope you're smiling on us. I yeah. think you'd be happier where we are. Um, but yeah, Barbara was... 
somebody else. Yes. So even before thinking about um, coming to SAIC, I was working with Barbara in editing, and I edited for her for about six years. Can you tell us a little bit about what Spread was? Because I think that people forget about that project and how revolutionary it was. Yeah, so, I mean, Barbara would travel and shoot, and it was queer porn, or is. Well, it was. And it was also being distributed, I'm forgetting the press right now, but out of San Francisco. in the Kink.com, right? It was also... I'm, I'm trying, I'm thinking of like the credits as I was putting them into <laughs> Final Cut. Editor brain. Yeah, uh-huh. right, 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 right. And it's coming to me. It's like the square logo. It's going to come. But they were shipping out DVDs because this is like 01, 02, There was nothing like this available. Right. And it's also was often with folks that had relationships. So, you know, Barbara's got a camera often from a single camera. Uh, shot or stationary and then Barbara moving around all over so it was quite difficult actually to cut it was like you know you're like okay, yeah cut. it's just like a jump ha, ha, it's jump cuts there's, right. yeah there's no coverage it's like the amateur porn right yeah quote unquote so Barbara traveled to Camp Trans uh, which was a protest outside of uh, Michigan Women's Festival against their anti-trans like exclusionary policy also traveled to like Smith San Francisco and you know shot and then we were edited i was one of the editors uh for her i think her second dvd release which was like three or four chapters i also was living with a lot of the sex workers that were in um the porn so a lot of them were my friends and I, i don't think we can understate how important that was and how revolutionary at that time this project was because pornography at that time was normative bodies it was Right. Mostly heterosexual, mostly white, normative bodies. And every time that, that, deviate, that there was any deviation from that, it turned into exploitation. Right, right. And it also had, well, I think a queer eye, first off, Barbara's eye, and gays. But also the connection, not only through the videographer and the subjects, but also like this was a community of folks right. that, you know, either were having sex or were in play parties and um you know in the in the place i was living there was several dungeons that barbara would shoot at and so it was quite a a community of porn yeah and that didn't exist before no no and you know now in these days you know most people or not most people i think maybe that says more about me than anything else but (laughs) a lot of people have you know their own homemade porn you know most people watch homemade porn and it's like this revolution has completely changed everything but xtube didn't even exist at that time the idea that you would create your own pornography for people who were into things like you and that you could control Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the um the optics mm-hmm. and the way that your body was presented and the things it did right. and be proud of that right. and consider it an artistic achievement right. and part of a practice and a serious thing was, I mean, yeah, it predated what we have now. I mean, it's amazing because there was never any cuts. Right. As an editor, that was hell. Yeah. But as in terms of like the act or if it was a fetish act or if it was, you know, sexual act, I mean, it, it quite varied or included all of those things. Um, there was no cuts, which yeah. was amazing. So like the fervor and the building and the, it was, it was really, really fucking hot. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, also for, 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 <laughs> can I say fuck? Yeah, no, please okay. do. Swear as it much as you want. It was fucking hot. Yeah, really. <laughs> totally. And you know, nobody had seen bodies like this presented in like a respectful way. And like with people saying like, these are 
hot body yeah. it's like this is yeah. hot as hell. i mean and also it was like female ejaculation or yeah. like other types of ejaculation there was trans folks non-binary folks queer folks cis folks i mean it was the gamut it was like join in you know uh diaper play kid play like i mean all yeah. sorts of deprioritizing the phallus mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean don't get me wrong there was tons of those too but they came in so many different sizes and right. colors and attachments yeah. and appendages and so yeah it was really so that was the draw for saic to me um however i wanted to do film video new media animation but i worked closely with barbara not necessarily the professor but um still as like editing some of her films besides porn um it was like the one with the uh, truck driver uh, oh that was the, so good yeah we did that one and then and also the panhandler project panhandler project also so good yeah for people who don't know barbara de genevieve uh was um an artist here in chicago from santa fe and california um and she worked a lot with uh bodies and the sort of the gray line between art and pornography mm-hmm. uh, and the erotic mm-hmm. got in a lot of trouble for that, but also completely revolutionized the world. Uh, you know, it's I don't think that's an understatement. I just think that there's not enough points of access for people to understand how important her work was. For sure. And it's also difficult because it's not necessarily out there. Right. As it should be. Um, right. The website's not up. Like, I yeah. mean, Vimeo's up, but... I don't, you know, again, it's kind of hard when like what happens to our art. And so this is also yeah. doing this with you is quite important. Thinking about an archive of what exists. Right. And I also thank you, Ali. And I also, Ali, uh, uh, I also want to sort of bring that up that um, leaving these little bre- breadcrumbs or footnotes for people in the future is also a really kind of important part of this project for me. Um Barbara was also the head of the photography department for many years. Uh, In photo, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. at SAIC. And also she kind of made it possible for entire generations of us to become the people we are today. Um, It's like in my first critique in film, video, and media animation, one said professor was like, have you found Barbara? And I said, yes, thankfully I found Barbara. (laughs) Barbara found you before you found her. Three years ago, like, yes. So, yeah, so Barbara was incredible. Yes. Uh, still miss her every day. Every day. Um, and she also kind of brought us together, too. I mean, yes. I, you know, I met you through Steve, as we mentioned. Steve right. was also, and I took Barbara's class. It was sort of this mythical class at SAIC. Um, was it the porn 101? It was a porn or? class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a brown paper wrapper, I think it was called when I took yeah, it. Yeah, it, it, um, yeah. We pitched that to Oxbow, and they were like, not no into it. way. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> together it was like in a, i think it was in a brown paper wrapper but whatever yeah they were like no go <laughs> steve was also in that class who we just mentioned earlier uh at least two people that uh have had porn careers have been were from that class yeah. too it's uh yeah she really had quite an effect on yeah, people and sure. also like she made you read a lot that was the thing it was yes, people underestimate how incredibly rigorous that class was mm-hmm. and, and barbara as well you know there's somebody that I, I uh, another professor from my undergrad that also really marked my life uh, in ways that I didn't understand until much later that had sort of a similar approach. And that was uh, uh, Rosanna Lucare uh, Sandy Stone, uh, yes. trans rights pioneer. Right. Um, amazing human being, like one of the most incredible people I've ever met. But also that was a similar model of like, here is all this theory. Now go and make art. Right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think that was the... Um... Oh, and then teaching. So yeah. then I started teaching a year later, and it was Barbara offered 
the class that I TA'd for, which is exploratory media, and then nice. you TA'd for then it I when TA'd I for taught that class. Uh-huh. it. And I actually think, I'm not sure if that was my first year teaching it or second, uh, but it was quite It was early. a second year. It was year, second yeah. year. Okay. But that's how I began uh, teaching there was through that class, which fit because um, I was coming out of film video media animation, but also making you know photographic work and work that didn't fit necessarily in a department. You know? Right. Yeah, and I mean, Barbara also gave me an opportunity to to start teaching. Right. That's how I started teaching. Right. You know, my first class there was I did a porn seminar. Right. right. I did a seminar on uh, yeah on pornography and the erotic and the theory behind that, and there was a studio course as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was amazing. She also allowed me to teach appropriation, right. however I wanted it to be taught, which right. was not the way it was taught there. And you know, gave me an opportunity and gave so many of us opportunities to get into the academy. Right. Uh, for you sure. Know, for good or for bad, some of us are still there. Some of us are not. Like yep. me, I'm not. That's gave okay. up on it. But, uh, okay. but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was it was not something other people were doing. Right. Giving opportunities to right. to brown people, to queer people, right. to exactly. stay there, make more work, and teach these new kids. Exactly, and I do think um, you know moving forward. And I mean, I teach very different classes now, but I do I do miss those like topics classes, and I taught querying the object or was confronting the object. Oh, that was a good class. I love that class. And the and show, also, Oli, they curated a show about that uh, at the Sullivan Galleries. So it was yes. really, really good. Which you were part of. Which the, I was a part of. The Great Refusal, taking on new queer aesthetics, uh, which is an amazing show. And also, um, did you ever get the exhibition catalog? Yeah, the catalog okay, was great. Okay, great. Go it took a couple of years, but it was really good. Yeah. Also, took a couple years of me like pushing them for money to do it. (laughs) Uh Actually, you know what was holding it up? Anyway, money and bureaucracy and SEC. Red tape. Yeah. So that got funded, which was great. And it was designed, I think, pretty well. Uh, Also, it showcased all the artists, which, you know, and then I I did a a class in collaboration with it. Um, It was like queer spaces or queer writings, you know, when you teach all the queer classes yeah just, they just, yeah. <laughs> just a couple of keywords like queer spaces yeah. queer writings queer <laughs> photos um no but they, the students wrote about the work which i thought was really quite nice and they were able to contribute to an exhibition that was ongoing <laughs> anyway so la actually so yeah so tell us what are you how did you end up in la what are you doing there now yeah how so did that all happen okay so i moved uh last august so it's been almost exactly a year from nice. now I am happy with the move. I was doing the adjunct shuffle for the Ugh. past nine years. For too long. It's Eight fucking, years. it's inhumane. Like it's, I UIC, mean, I don't know how you SAIC, did it. Yeah. Harold Washington. I was working for admissions. I was working as a um, academic advisor and I was working for Urban Gateways, which is a really wonderful arts organization. The name came from out of the 1950s. So like I forgive it a little bit, but it provides arts education in CPS schools, in Chicago Public Schools. So that's like, I just counted seven jobs. And then... Which is wild. But shout out to them, because they really do amazing things in the community and get so many people that don't come from... Yes. An affluent background. It's true. Involved in the arts. It's and give them gives them the tools to... Right. To change their life. Right. And I felt, in going back, that I was one of those kids in CPS. Or I was right, going back to neighborhoods I had lived or frequented... Um, so I felt really, I stayed with them almost 10 years, uh, as long as I was adjuncting, but 
I have been applying for full-time jobs and I got one at Cal State LA, which I'm very happy to be in and teaching a load that's not 10 classes a year nice. and you yeah, know, benefits. Yeah, yeah. What are those? What? <laughs> in California? In LA, I am living on the east side, which is nice. amazing. And I bike to work so I don't have to drive. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, my colleagues think I'm a little like not like bananas because I like you bike here because, you know, it's it's L.A. and the stereotype is true is pretty true. Right. Um, but you're from Chicago. You're feral. Yeah. <laughs> and not just any Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're from a very specific Chicago that was very feral. Super feral. Um, and it's interesting, too, because I, I'm I was staying at Stephanie Burke's place, which is like right around the corner from where I grew up. That's crazy. I know. So I'm like walking. Around. I got priced out of that neighborhood. That's why I moved here. Um, where were you at? I was at Western and Division. Yes. Burke's a little more like West. Humble. Yeah. I, I used to mm-hmm. I used to run into her all the time because mm-hmm. she moved. She just kept going further west. Yeah. I'm going north now. Yeah. To, to that home and division, I'm like, and this is okay. where they're. Th- okay. This yeah. is where they sold this kind of drug, and they went over there for that kind <laughs> of drug, and then you know every every uh, bush was you know cruising spot, and you know all those. And Nick's just like, what my partner was just like, what is going on in this park? I was like, welcome to the start of Humble Park. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. That brings us. That's a good t- transition <laughs> to go into uh, one of the bodies of work that you're known for, the Poppy Project. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. I happen to have one of those pictures from one of the parks. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, so tell us about that project. Sure. So the project started uh, in 2010, and there's three phases, three facets of the project. And I pretty much worked on each facet for about a year, but the first one was specifically a year because I was posting on Craigslist, which. R.I.P. Mm-hmm, I know. Fuck Fasta Sesta. <laughs> Uh, but also is uh, a marker of an era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was posting in for men for men or men for group or trans for trans or trans for men or even in the art. Right. Yeah. There's so many options or right. there were so many options in Craigslist. And I was seeking out men who had, had sex with my Bobby. So I put up a picture of him from 1978. It's actually from his honeymoon when they went to Key West with my mom. And I put his picture out there. Uh, not as a current one, but as a of an era, right? Yeah. So seeking men who had had sex with him. And so I got a slew of emails, and that essentially became part of the photographic work. Right. And then after that, I started thinking about cruising spaces physically, even though I think of like Craigslist very much as that cruising landscape as well, but moving into more green spaces. So um, Belmont Rocks, you know, Doug is shark photographing. Shout um, out to Doug. Mm-hmm, for my, um, Marginal Summer, Marginal Waters, excuse mm-hmm. me. And um, looking at the barrenness indicating, you know, uh, or a metaphor of like what's lost or who's not occupying yeah. these spaces. So they're, they are barren of folks and they're shot on 110 film, which is of the era, right? So of like a 19, like 80s, late 70s, 80s uh, film. It was a film of convenience that was a cartridge you popped right in and took a photograph and it was for tourism. So right. linking that into... Um, in photographing these sites as a tourist, if you will. And then I moved into the archive, which was looking at thousands of his photographs and uh, creating like a, a slideshow or video uh, with a 70s, 80s disco soundtrack that my mom curated. And then taking... Shout out to Janice. Hey, Janice. And taking uh, his photographs that I think of as a loving triad of queers, kids, and cats 
and having <laughs> these different representations yeah. of AIDS, right? Of yeah. AIDS, of the pandemic, of children, of brown folks, of working class folks, of black folks, um, of loving and laughter and grief. And so how um, to really understand the historical, um, often the historical representation is, is of dying and death and hospitals. And that's quite important. However, there is the otherwise. Right. And also another thing that's super important, I think, about that project. And one of the beautiful things about it is that you have this incredible archive of queer people of color in Chicago. Just hanging out with kids and cats and having parties and, and relaxing and just living their life. And that's I don't think it's uh, I don't think we can understand also how important that is and how awesome that is. I mean, that project is so great at that, too, at like saving these things. Right. Um because just for a little bit of background, maybe tell us a little bit more about like, about your dad's um, sure. experience. Because I think that's an important part of like sure. how this has been created. Too. I, mean, I mean, when I started the project to, <clears throat> excuse me, my ma, when I said, oh, I'm, I'm putting on Craigslist, you know, seeking these men, seeking this absence, really. And she's like, well, good luck because they're all dead. Right. So we have to think about. Fuck, right. We have to, yeah. we have, I have to stop for a moment and consider that this archive isn't just visually documenting, but is like evidence. And so he came here in the late 70s. Things are murky from Puerto Rico. Um, not much is really known about it. Also, he didn't really talk about it. Yeah. He was an orphan. And so um, when my Maori married another Puerto Rican when I was eight, his family became my family. So like I think like I've been you know to see his family in Bayamon and Ponce and... Um, I, I feel those ties there and I have been back. I'm going to go back again, but, and that's why Wala, but, but the thing is, is that it's, it's quite unknown. So I think coming to a city, not knowing the language very well, also navigating, I mean, they met as janitors at Parker high school. Okay. So they were, which kind of gives me chills to think about class and think about where I'm at now versus them being like, these working class, working poor folks meeting as janitors in the private like prep school, right? I also think about like my first job was in front of the school art institute in Columbus Drive, like flipping pizzas and me not even knowing, right, what that institution was yeah. behind me. So how access and like how like they've connected, but also how I've grown uh, through academia and like the beginnings happening in the basement, you know, Francis Parker High School, which I, I do want to photograph at some point. So not not a lot known. However, they navigated the 80s together. They, they separated when I was in 82. And my mom found out he was hooking up with, with guys. She like followed him and confronted him and everything. And then she fucked the guy. He fucked. I don't know if we can keep Oh my God, that her. is a boss bitch she, move. And then she got fucking pregnant. I don't know if I want <gasps> all this in there, but... Okay. Just, well, actually, my mom doesn't really know the news internet, but you can keep it in there. But literally found this motherfucker, <laughs> brought him home. Oh my home, God, yes! Brought him home, fucked him, and then went to my Bobby and was like, Girl, I don't know like what the fuck he's got that I don't, but that like he sucks in bed. You know? Oh and my god, Janice, yes. So he was cruising, but also I mean he was pulling tricks too. I mean it was going right. both ways. Yeah. yeah. You know, trade for trade. I mean I mean you did what you had to do. You know, there wasn't like we weren't allowed to like have our lives in, in out in public. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And out in the open. So that's why some of the cruising spots I kept of Grand Park, Smith Park, Humble Park. I mean, it's moving yeah. all of these these spaces that he navigated. But after, you know, a couple of years, they came back together. And this is something that's highlighted in the prologue. My ma starts out the Bobby Project book 
and it starts from a woman, a wife, a mother, a partner, a lover, a friend of his. And I find that really um, the agency and power to have a woman narrate this factual account. Um, so, I mean, in terms, I mean, he died very soon after, unfortunately, like in, in uh, Complications of AIDS in, in 93 at uh, Chicago House, which is now the Trans Life Center, which has turned awesome. really like, yeah. it was a place that, uh, Chicago House provided a place for folks to die with dignity with complications of AIDS, yeah. or they said die with dignity from AIDS, but that's the language of them. But now it's a f- place where trans folks, queer folks, and most mostly POC, not not all, but that have a place to live. So it's been re, God, re, uh, yeah. reinvented, re, uh, repurposed. Pr- pr- repurposed. Thank you. Thank you. Repurposed. And so, um, you know, I didn't know him that quite that long. And this project, I think, really is an expansive exploration, not only of, like, who was he, but also started in the very, like, roots of, you know, the AIDS epidemic, which was, like, sex and cruising spots and family and children and cats. and <laughs> Yeah, and parks and, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's hitting all that. And... Um, I just I'm working with Candle Arts Press, so they're gonna there's gonna be oh my a, gosh, mm, they've taken on the book. Yes. So about a, in about a year, I, I've been meeting with them this summer a bit, and they're gonna make. I mean, their work is amazing. That's incredible because also this process for this book has been kind of ongoing, and I played a little bit of a part there too. I think I, I had a budget at one point and like commissioned an essay mm-hmm. from from Paul Sepuya. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is in the book which is in the fu- oh my god that's awesome yeah. so i am i'm expecting a copy of this yes. for free yes. and signed yes uh <laughs> i think they give me a certain amount yes. nice yeah but I'll, I'll i'll also buy a copy but candor arts press is amazing that's, that's amazing yeah that's great shout out to them because they do some really good work they just did krista franklin's nice uh, which her book is a is a is a beast of a book and um book forum just wrote about i mean they've they're getting some momentum yeah and i mean this is such an important project i mean for everything that we said before but also like queer relationships have been here you know like they Mm -hmm. don't always look what you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. think that they will but that's kind of the point like don't let them fool you right 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 so yeah so that's the next iteration and also i I perform i i I gave a lecture but i also feel like i perform part of the prologue and that's kind of really kick-started some um, some poetry and some that's awesome. Some poems that are coming out of that. So I, I met with the Poetry Foundation because they also covered Christopher Franklin's book, and so nice. we're trying to get yeah. so into going. If you haven't been to the Poetry Foundation, they're fantastic as well. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. The space is amazing. Yeah, a lot of shout outs, but a lot of know. shout outs. Yeah, the last time I was there, speaking of other awesome people and, and great poets, the other uh, I think I was there for the release of a. I don't know if they considered it a chapbook or a book, but for uh, the great Chicago trans poet H. Mm-hmm. Melt. Yes, yes. Shout outs to H. H. Melt. Yes, yeah. who I just saw read a couple of days ago. Um, yeah. So that's that's going and I'm moving forward at the writing. Um, also, Lindale came out. Did you did it, did I tell? Did you know about that? No. Okay. So VDB just picked it up, which has Holy been on shit. my bucket list for oh life. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. So after spending hundreds of dollars on festivals, the festival I don't is think a that racket. I, yeah, festivals are a racket. I used to run one. Um, I They do now. I am so yeah, mad. They absolutely are a racket Fucking now. Hundreds of, and then it screens here and they're like, oh, we're interested. And I'm like, how, how did this happen? How did this happen? That's amazing. 
That's so good. That's great. Actually, I should send it to you. Yeah. But you can't share it. Because I haven't seen it. They make me say that. It, it just got finished, um, literally. I didn't even know you January. were working on like a like a single channel thing. So it's it's based in... Tell us about this. Yeah. All right. It's based <laughs> in the media explosion of the 2000s. It's shot yeah. on about 10 different formats, moving from high A, DV, HDV, uh, 8 millimeter... Uh, they had the mini DV. They had, I mean, you name it, whatever, ver- anything from 1998 to like 2009. So I shot the footage. It's happening in the Humboldt Park neighborhood in the home that I was living with with my brother and roommates. And it's looking at this uh, kind of Oedipus uh, relationship between my mom and oh, wow. my brother yeah. and my stepfather, my my papi. I mean, he is my papi. He's, Ruben's amazing. And so looking at this familial cyclical trauma, but also um, my transition and his death by suicide. So it's quite a, but that may sound really, really like down, 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 but it is remarkably humorous as well. Uh, Janice is a force. Janice is a force. (laughs) Absolutely. And she's really the stellar like movement of the film. It's also, I mean, we have to consider when this was shot, the backdrop of this of the recession. Yeah, the house foreclosed. I mean, it's now a three story condo, um, and 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 literally just also like this kind of uh, decline of mental illness, and then also how toxic masculinity is con- contributing to like in terms of his, of his like heteronormativity and and uh, also like my transition into a brother and this acceptance and um, negotiating all this in the same house where he did pat when he, where he did die. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm looking forward to seeing that because I mean, all that I've seen of your work is like, it's, it's, it's incredible how you're able to get to these really deep moments and these really deep feelings in the way that above everything else is always incredibly respectful and beautiful and has sort of like a lightness of touch mm-hmm. um thank you that you don't see often in in, in 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 work that deals with this kind of thing because i think that you know culturally the 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 uh the, the first instinct is to sensationalize and that's the last right. thing that you ever do right i think the subtle and i think that because um, the stories are sensational i mean you don't need to do any of that right. Yeah, right. it's a, it's Janice a, is a force. And P.S. <laughs> if 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 nobody if 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 it hadn't become clear, Janice is is Oli's mom. Yes, 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 yes. And also, I think of how powerful like Titty Cut Folly is, or yeah. like Fred Weissman. I mean, I'm not a. I mean, I'm thinking more about how the camera function, not necessarily right. him, but I understand like he made it. But just in front, and then the power of editing, right? Of right. Of course, um, what's following what. Um, so that's an, that's also a new like a super exciting happens super fast out of that's nowhere. Awesome. Congratulations! But we had been pumping first. We started pumping it out as a feature. I'm shaking my head because uh, we then found an editor, handed it over, and as a short, it's doing much better. Although it does occupy in terms of genre for like film festivals, uh, this kind of experimental and documentary it can be yeah. very difficult. Yeah, because you know doc purists are like hell no and experimental folks are like this is a documentary so it's been a bit hard for programming but it's gotten some run and we're still waiting and crossing our fingers and others but also the racket is real absolutely yeah like i feel like it's just a a, it's an industry so i'm just trying to strategically find friends of friends who work there (laughs) 
Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Absolutely. That's that's the way that you need to do it. You know, you get it through your friends and you sort of get somebody to tell them, hey, you should look at this. Because, yeah, film festivals are a racket. Mm -hmm. It's a pyramid scheme Mm -hmm. in one way or another. And, you know, now we have the Internet and we don't need to, like, go through the same methods. I mean, that's why most cool film festivals died. You know, there's very few that um, that are anything other than commerce. So I've been going through that. Yeah. Um, well, getting in VDB is amazing because the Video Data Bank is an incredible organization that does hold so much history inside of it, of um, of Chicago, of civil rights, yes. of queer rights, yes. uh, of the HIV crisis, and then how we've gotten. I don't want to say that we've gotten out of it, but but the sort of the the, the, the queer life after it, and in a way that's been so incredible. I used to work there through grad school and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm intimately aware of their collection and it always surprises me the incredible curatorial job that this collection has. So shout out to Abina Manning for that too. Yes. And, and then to Kate before that for, for yes. founding it also. Yes, exactly. And I'm really happy that Lindale can have a life and it can be helped in that way. Yeah. Um, in terms of like getting it out there and getting it seen because Doing and it also solo. keeping it keeping it alive and keeping it in in good shape and stewarding this work for however long is is is, is it's going to happen and making sure that it gets to places. Because right. right. that's the other thing that the video data bank does that isn't as obvious as like their their mission of like sending stuff out to film festivals and having screeners and all that stuff is that they have all these sales to institutions and museums right. and and um, and universities and libraries and and small art centers and and all that stuff that ensure that all this work that was created by artists right. stays alive. Right. Right. And they do, I mean, they do, they send you, you know, they do a good job of like, you know, this is what we're working towards. You yeah. Know? Um, which we definitely needed in terms of how, um, you know, our uh, trajectory has been with not getting into film festivals. Yeah, yeah. And it's real. I mean, that's real. And it's real. And, you know, also, like, that's a system that's dying, especially with, you know, you mentioned something about, like, the, the length, the, the running time, and also the uh, category. Right, right. Uh, basically, right. you know, getting into hierarchies and and taxonomies and all that stuff, but also it's it's a system that's really falling apart with, with, with online distribution, with Netflix right. model, right. with, you know, all these different online um, content delivery networks. Right, exactly. And I mean, it, the runtime now is 24 minutes, which even still can be a bit of a problem considering like shorts, you know, are often like yeah programmatically yeah yeah for like a 50 minute screening or whatever yeah that's it's a a bit of a conundrum unless it's something that goes really well with it right right exactly but that's not a problem on if you're streaming it right exactly i'd love that to happen you know um so yeah so we're i'm i worked on that with my collaborator vic stop you know nice yes 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 who is a therapist working for yale now to the yale um, Children's Center. I, awesome. I, I think I can say that. I mean, uh, so Vic. And y'all grew up together. No, no. Vic no. and I met in undergrad. But in we, undergrad. But we lived in the house. Yeah. You and spent so, a lot of important time together. Yes. <laughs> oh, it was like <laughs> drugs and dates and girls and boys and oh my goodness. Uh, that house, Lindale, which the film is based within, just had a lot of traction, a lot of, lot of foot, a lot of foot traffic. Through there. Yeah. Liz lived there. Who's also a part of the, nice. shout out to uh, Liz. And Liz is, um, I was also her TA. Yes. And you know, just tons of, um, uh, folks through there. But, um, 
in terms of that's editing, Liz Nielsen, yeah, by the way, exactly. And uh, in terms of editing, Vic was very much a wonderful like bouncing off board, sound nice. board for that because it, um, you know, we did ultimately hand it over, but it's nice to have a collaborator who can, you know, be with you through the process. So, yeah. Cool. That's so good. Um, so let's back up a little bit because yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I want to stay sort of in Chicago, but I want to go back a little bit and just talk about some of the sort of formative art moments for you, the things that made you realize I can do this. I can be an artist. I have a point of view or art is something that exists that can affect lives. What were your formative sort of visual experiences or artistic experiences? Sure. Maybe aesthetic experiences is a better word. Sure, sure, sure. So I, I in, in coming through, you know, Humboldt Park, West Town in quotes, family dynamics, I feel that after leaving, every I, I documented everything. So whether it be yeah. through photo, whether it be through... Uh, limited video means because that's something too that like with the Bobby project I, I I showed it to a group of grad students at at UC Riverside and um, Rob I can give you his last name but I'm forgetting his last name he's like well why don't you have any video and there was a moment where I was like I mean, I didn't say it, but in my head, I was like, because I was poor. Right. I, I mean, we couldn't is, do that before. Yeah. I, and also, like, folks who had video, you know, it was different than picking up a disposable camera, which was was much more accessible, right? So I think in terms of all the things in terms of life experience and moving through school, and um, I started documenting everything starting in undergrad. And it wasn't like I am an artist now. But I felt the need and was compelled by not only life experience, but like thinking about queerness, thinking about uh, archive, thinking about race, thinking about gender, class. So I felt like that depiction and that and that document or that uh, documentation was super important. So it wasn't actually quite a class yet because I mean, my first video class I took was at De- at Paul where I went for undergrad, and also it was um, September eleventh. Oh. So that also was a moment where that marked um, video making, like trying to work iMovie, but also our first class being when terrorism has struck, right, the the um, the world, the U.S., yeah. you know, right? So I felt that was a little bit of a sign. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I guess also like let's not let's not underestimate like that. Did you know that your 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 father had this? incredible collection of images i did not i did not and that he had this sort of same impulse that you developed i have not really thought about that actually you're like, <laughs> you're like and you're the same <laughs> um yeah i mean no i didn't i haven't sometimes when you talk about and have these conversations there are things that come out that you're like oh patterns oh yeah totally <laughs> yeah it's interesting how you mentioned you know the Something in your work that I also find really interesting and I think was such a foundational part of the courses that you were teaching at SAIC mm-hmm. was media specificity mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what different media technologies mean mm-hmm. historically, um, culturally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how you've sort of used those in different ways. For example, you mentioned earlier that you used 110 film mm-hmm. for a lot of these shots that, yeah, is this tool for, for tourism, for sort of snapshots and 
all of those things that sort of come around mm-hmm. those uh, mm-hmm. specific materials. And then, you know, when video became a tool that people could use, when it became a quote unquote like prosumer technology, right. then we get working with video, right. we get editing, we get right. Barbara DeGenevieve. Right, 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 right. And I mean, even at that time, um, I feel that the 2000s were an action for video. So yeah. I also think that was a drive as well. It was like, oh, I'm going to learn this height. Oh, wait, I'm now I'm going to learn this 8 millimeter. Wait, wait, 8 millimeter first, then high 8. Wait, I'm going to learn this DV. What's this mini DV? What's this VHS? Well, I mean, so I feel like that Totally, yeah. You and I were drive. growing up at the same time and sort of in similar situations. So that right. was the explosion of formats mm-hmm. where suddenly there were all these options. You know, it was actual after like Pixel Vision, um and these yeah and then the and the high eight and you know people are you know the generation that grew up with their parents sort of um taking snapshots or taking like videos of like their like quinceanera or whatever it was their birthday party or christmas suddenly we had the cameras and we had the tapes it's like what we did with them you know suddenly there was this explosion of stuff we could do right right and so i went away i mean that's that's why i don't that's why i have i've like stayed away from video now because like it's a different environment i don't understand it anymore i think i'm about to go back but but it's weird that, yeah, that mm-hmm. I'd never sort of considered how exciting it was to have all those different qualities and ability and, and uh, materials mm-hmm. to work with, all those different tools. And I think that was quite um, like a spark plug. It was igniting, yeah. I, th- I think, in terms of making. Uh, and I knew that I wanted, and in editing and with, with Barbara. And you started with iMovie, you said? Yes, which I left very fast. And then <laughs> <laughs> well, it just couldn't handle. Right, I mean, right, right. No, it, it couldn't do it. No, right. it couldn't do anything. And then uh, when I went after undergrad into into grad school at Columbia uh, for a year and a half, I I the focus was very much on a technical trade, even though yeah. it was an MFA. So it was like Avid, probably. It was Avid, and then we moved into Final Cut. Mm. But the thing was, is that the software. And I love kind of geeking out about this, actually. Let's do it. When is it? Yeah. yeah. When are you going to be able to? Let's do it. Because the thing is, the software wasn't keeping up with the technology. So when twenty no. when 24P came out, yeah. which is what actually the majority of Lindale is shot on, which was when the frame rate, the frame rate, right, is moving at 24 frames per, per second, mimicking film, Avid didn't know what to do with it. It's right. Like, everything's 29.97. Avid was for television. It was mm-hmm. for multi-camera television setups. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I feel that... And also going along with that, Avid was also something that was very specific. Like you couldn't work in different formats because that was also a big consideration. People probably don't remember the difference between NT and, NTSC and PAL. Right. Which was also when we were, gro- when we were growing up, quote unquote, we're not that bad, but... Mm-hmm. Right. This was a real issue, you know, <laughs> like you had to, especially if you were thinking like globally, you had to, or getting media. It's right. like, is it PAL or is it NTSC, mm-hmm. um, which mm-hmm. were different sort of frame rates, mm-hmm. NTSC being 29.97. Mm-hmm. And then with 0.03 of like mm-hmm. other information, then PAL mm-hmm. was true 25. Right. And that was used in Europe and right. uh, Korea, I think. We'll have to check that. I know, yeah, I, I know Europe, but yeah. I'm not sure. I, re- I memorized it at one point when yeah. I used to work in distribution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then NTSC was North America. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then the joke was that uh, it actually stood for never the same color. Because that was, <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard of that. Even the bars. Even the bars, never the same color. Uh, so it was completely inconsistent, but it was the American way. Fuck it. Uh, even though, <laughs> right. I, yeah, so we're going to fucking stick with it. <laughs> even though I think Japan also was like uh, one of the developers of it. But it was a nightmare. You couldn't mix those two. So there was also 
also a real rift between cultural production in video mm-hmm. of like countries who did PAL and countries who did NT, NT, NTSC, NTSC yeah. because it was very expensive right. to play the other formats. And don't even mention like CCAM. Oh my God, CCAM. <laughs> I know. So like, you know, when I, for example, when I work with um, video databank, that was starting to be a lot less because now at that point, software had sort of caught up and you were able to mm-hmm. do those mm-hmm. conversions in software because before you couldn't, you had right. all this equipment. Right. And when I work in field distribution before that with European companies, half of my job was just sending stuff to get it converted. Right, right. So yes, Avid failure, but also when 24P yeah. came along, it couldn't, um, I remember it, I'd have to render on a zero of five. It was like bananas. Oh my gosh. So yeah. um, very soon after they switched to Final Cut, and this is like 2003, four. It was like at the beginning of Final mm-hmm. Cut. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I never had to learn Avid. Right. Fortunately, Good. I did Good. learn Premiere before that, <laughs> but I basically just, yeah, I, st- I started in Final Cut and right. then I stopped at Final Cut when right. they did the, 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 the conversion, the interface redesign. I was like, I'm out. Yeah. I can't, I, I, I you, you know, my, else. exactly. My expertise, <laughs> my 10 years of like slaving over Final Cut suddenly was poof. I couldn't do what I did. Exactly. So, I mean, in thinking about, you know, draw, I mean, it's always been, then I think I've always been collecting yeah. um, and I'm still doing that now. I've got. Instead of the you know the high eight or the eight millimeter, I've got a, a GoPro. I've got DSLR. It's a little bit harder with the DSLR in terms of lighting. Yeah. But um, I still am collecting, and there's going to be a next Lindale. Like I was talking to my friend uh, Lisette Aguilar, and and we grew up together. You know yeah. Who it is. I think I've met her. Yeah. Mm-hmm, at the party, and she was like, "Well, maybe you need a a, a film for every street that you're on." Oh. And I was like, "Hmm, that's interesting." Um, because I don't know if I told you, but we're trying to get pregnant. <gasps> that's me. awesome. Oh shit. Me. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Did I tell you this? No, that's awesome. Why am I whispering? <laughs> I don't know. Cause we've got headsets there's, on probably. There's a, there's a line in, in Lindale where I'm like, why are you whispering? And my mom's like, what? I don't know. I just like, am I whispering? And I'm like, why are you whispering? <laughs> and there's such a, there's also too in Linda, I feel like this really strong Chicago, like, what you want to mean? What you're like? It's like so strong, and I'm like, oh wow, I sounded very different, you know, like 15 oh years ago. Yeah, it's like young baby me. <laughs> yeah, 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 with way too much energy, way too much energy. Oh yeah, I yeah. would sit the camera down, walk away, smoking a cigarette, biting nails all at the same time. Like, what? What can I do more? Oh my you god, know, riding your scooter. Where, where's the coke? Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, maybe not. Uh, where's the Adderall? It really? was the, it was the 90s. Yeah, 2000s or 2000s, whatever. Yeah, it was well, a different time. Yeah, exactly. But so I've started working on or collecting footage for Bobby's Pregnant. But this time I'm pitching it around. It's a tentative title. Bobby's Pregnant might be called something else. But it's looking more at access to healthcare for trans folks, for gender nonconforming folks, for gender queer folks. And for like if one wishes to be, you know, uh, creating a family yeah. within them and also different folks with different statuses. Yeah. So I've started a little bit with my doctor at Howard Brown and she specializes in like people living with AIDS and also family planning for like queer and trans and gen- that's awesome. Gen- yeah. And also like homo folks. I mean, all kinds of folks. Right. So we started there and then I also joined a fertility study, which is interesting because I'm not, I don't identify as a woman, but 
everyone pretty much in the study is a woman and so looking at my numbers and what happens after hormone replacement therapy and and the lack of research that there yeah. is yeah um for anyone that went through uh hrt hormone replacement therapy so right now it's focusing more on calling out the medical industry and being like where is this research where um you know where can people go for find a doctor working so right now that's where it's generating um i think the like more personal like will come out but i'm not really interested in being like i'm pregnant look or like i want to have this baby that's great someone else can make that film right. and i think someone actually just made that film <laughs> and it's called seahorse yeah um which is fine like that's that's a great film or I haven't seen actually. It's not your just project, yeah. Right, but it's not mine, right? So I really want it to be much more of a uh, an action than a documentation. Nice. And pitching that thing all over the place, or trying to, because making a film with no budget not cheap. No, not at all. This is why Lindale took almost five years. Yeah. And that's for a short, which I mean, projects can take whatever time frame, but literally it was just like labor and yeah. no money. Yeah. You know, and that's real. And the festival circuit. I should have. <laughs> you're really, reached, yeah, you're really kind of like. I should have reached out to you first because now that you said that, I'm like, oh, yeah, you did work for that. And you would have you been such a good. Anyway, can't go back in time. No. Nope. But no, hey, it's no that video databank now. So you did it well. No what ifs, no shoulds, and no I need to. Right. Right. Done. Keep moving. Keep but it forward. I'm going to share it with you. And I love your to hear what you think. That's awesome. And I'm, it's, 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 it's interesting what you say also because. There's a real need for more experiences to be out in the open and for people to really, when you mentioned, for example, that there isn't that much research slash maybe there isn't any, you know, as queer people, a lot of the medical research and the sort of care, and we were talking about this before the recording started of like, we don't have that many people, that, those, those like elders exactly. that are going to show us a path or show us like, hey, you should think about this for when you start getting older. Like it's only now, like I, I have a gay doctor and I feel really fortunate that I have somebody that is also kind of an, I don't know if he's an expert or not, but that has a lot of experience and, and is very invested in like how gay men age in my case. That's great. Right? And the sort of the That's health fantastic. issues that come along with it. And there's so many of them that are related to our sexuality, to our daily lives where there isn't any research and the only sort of, and this is getting into like Foucauldian territory, sure. but like there isn't any research. So the only cases that they see that relate to like our lives are the the really negative things when things go really wrong, right? But that makes invisible the five million times that things didn't go wrong, that things were perfect and things were great. Right. And not knowing or being like that's not an option is not okay. No, it's and, not. And not having these conversations. I mean – if folks want kids, yes, no, whatever, whatever the case may be, but it needs to be an option and it needs exactly. to be talked about. Yeah. Because just like when I was in the fertility study, um, the woman running it, uh, Moira, she was running it for like some big corporation in terms of like helping with fertility for like women, quote unquote, right? Yeah. But work for the sex and gender center um, at Northwestern. And she, one of the most amazing, the, one of the best quotes she says Queer doesn't mean infertile. You know, that needs to be said. Yeah, exactly. To queer people. In addition to that, her job at North at Northwestern was saving, or you know, this is not available through insurance, but like wealthy parents of of 
queer children or gender non-conforming children or non-binary children or trans children that are going through hormone replacement therapy they're saving whatever they have since there is no research i mean it is very much class-based yeah but they're saving you know Really, it's sperm or eggs, right? I, I I hate to like to do sit down to like biological determinism, and it just, it just the reality is whatever right. yeah. the child has. Let's call it the genetic material. Right, genetic material. Great. Um, I like that better. Whatever genetic material the child has, they take it, they freeze it, and then the child goes on hormone replacement therapy because they're awesome. making the choice. Right? Yeah. Because of the lack of research, because it's not being um, taken on, folks don't know necessarily what happens to the body after hormone replacement therapy or if you go off it or vice versa and in terms of like becoming pregnant or having kids or whatever way yeah. you smash it together and do it yeah and those quote-unquote like literature like those quote-unquote like experiences aren't there for people to be like oh maybe i should think about this before i go through with this i should maybe save some genetic material for later or this is an option for the future it's like we're the generation that's responsible for inventing those queer futures right. that people can then build off of. Right. Um, because unfortunately, you know, entire generations aren't here to be right. that example exactly. anymore. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're missing one to two generations for sure. Yeah. And so in that call, you know, like I'm looking for men who had sex with my boppy. It was like, I was expecting no response because, because, yeah. yeah, you know, all of because that's fucking real. Yeah, that's right. fucking real. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, that was a huge part of like why I became an artist too, or like mm-hmm. where my work like sort of like began too was was that void. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I think when you you initially like you had a question about making, I think it's it's filling that void. I think yeah. that's a really good way to put it. I mean, you answered it, but still, I think that's a... <laughs> I'm going to say, I second yeah, that. Yeah, you said it. You said it. <laughs> <laughs> so other than Linda, what other things are you working on? I, I, I think there was this... There was another series of work that was the... The, the sort of the the the, oh, yeah. the collages that you were making. Yes. It was the last the last seduction, last seduction fatal. Uh, it's two... It's, it's one body of work, but it showed twice, and it's a um, appropriated paintings from an exhibition of the of the title La Seduccion Fatal um, in Buenos Aires um, at the Bellas Artes Museum and I appropriated the paintings there it was an exhibition around death and eroticism and I was really um, I really loved the paintings but I also was really angered by the curation in terms of like they would place an Argentinian or Uruguayan painter next to a European master and oh. talked about how right that these there was this relationship because mm-hmm. the European master right, so I appropriated the paintings and I took the backgrounds and I reinserted queer and or POC folks on top. So it is a um, photographic and painting melding, and I I think that works important. I also think that idea has been done in various ways for sure. But I also think that um, it needs to be done in even more ways, right? Pointing Absolutely. out it's representation. What, it's, yeah, it's what you were doing with the other projects. It's putting yourself in the history. It's being. It's 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 highlighting that we have been here already. And it is focusing on a lot of my community. Um, like Gonzalo was one of the sitters, yeah. and I feel that um, it is important work. It is done now. Yeah. <laughs> is the Bobby project done? 
Um, after Candor Arts, it will be. Okay. And, and I think the book, we talked about it. The title will probably be Bobby, or it'll be like Bobby, 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 like three, because I think of the triad of the meaning yeah. of like Bobby as father, Bobby as like, hey, Lover. Bobby, yeah. or Bobby as like a little cousin or like a, a term of endearment, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking Bobby, Bobby, Bobby as, nice. and like maybe a dot, 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 or some sort of comma or something of that sort. Um, we discuss how like the Bobby project as a book may be a bit, uh, not not trite, but like how project isn't translating exactly in in the in print. Yeah. Um, and I, I agree with that. Actually, we sat down and had a good conversation about that. But anyhow, after Candor Arts, um, I will, you know, I mean, obviously I'll show the work, but I will put it um, not aside, but the, the book's going to be a bit of labor. And I think it living in that state is in that final state is fun is fantastic i've wanted to go back and 3d print some of the objects and some of the archival images like there's this amazing image of a baby bottle next to like this brandy bottle and make them really <laughs> large but yeah. i think that might be like a different show like you know welfare queens or like something about class and race and the 90s 80s and reaganomics and 80s and 90s but that's something like i anyway that's something i was writing with a residency with one of my uh, with the damp bods, another amazing shout designer. out to Dan. Yes, another amazing artist. So that I think that will live or translate in another way. But I mm-hmm. think for the Bobby project or Bobby or Bobby Bobby, it's like Tony Tony Tony. And I don't want to do that. No, you don't. You don't want that. But um, oh, I'm working on a solo show here. Nice through Fluxus Contemporary. They're a new gallery. Okay, yeah, I haven't heard of them. Jan Burnaby. Uh, is, is relatively new to Chicago from LA and he's working a lot with queer and POC artists but it's this South Loop hub that's starting from you know Cermak South that's okay. it's becoming a lot like how Chicago Avenue is now with like Winoff and Western and all that stuff so God, we keep having to move these over like it just seems like it's like the turnaround time for gallery districts in Chicago is going like faster and faster and faster. I mean, the big part of the Bobby Project too is being like how gentrification, like these were queer spaces, these were POC spaces. Yeah, it's crazy, and that's and like then, that's literally where like all the smaller galleries are now. It's like where you grew up, exactly. and now they're getting priced out of there after exactly. they got priced out of the West Loop. Exactly, and also how these spaces have so much change. I mean, Lincoln Park was primarily Puerto Rican, and then as yeah. gentrification happened. Move the move of a lot of Puerto Rican families into Humble Park, and now Humble Park is also gentrifying. And then you know, again, price out, price out, price right. out. So I'm working. Uh, it's it'll be in December, so I got to move fast. But the title is a familiar panting. Ooh, that's a good title. Yeah. So it's a right a lot around play and fetish. And at first, I felt a little a bit um, like guilty. Cause I I, I want to have I want to have fun like I wanted something lighter yeah I wanted something a bit uh, more around fetish around play around the mundane like how because you've all done that work sexy. before yeah and I think that it's like, building off that you Barbara and myself all three of us are on video being choked yes <laughs> in different situations yes yes in an art setting yes exactly. And slapped and and, and yeah yeah but anyways <laughs> uh, but that's really exciting and I think that's also something that's just kind of happening culturally like right. I have sort of came to like an impasse last year too where I sort of realized like I need to make work that makes me happy I can't keep making work that's just depressing or about things that I'm like angry about because right. I'm gonna drive myself crazy exactly exactly and it is building off the work 
from what I when I did with Jovencio de la Paz. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, right. Those were great. Which was uh, I want shout out to Jovencio. Yeah, I love Jovencio. Which was I want something more than my husband in my house, which was taken mm-hmm. from the Betty Friedan text, the feminine mystique, which was applied to write like the rise of domestic laborers yeah. and and women uh, working in the household, but reappropriated by us to mean something very different than we want something more than our husband in our house. <laughs> <laughs> so it's building off that work, um, but it, it is going to be like a new iteration and new work. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. What kind of classes have you been teaching in, the, in, in, in Los Angeles? Girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll jump over that because they'll probably listen to this. I mean, I'm teaching black and white photo and I'm teaching advanced photo, which I'm trying to make my own. Um, but I, I am teaching a grad seminar, so I am very excited for teaching good. my first grad seminar. I'm building it probably next week and I'm going to make it as queer and POC and like out there as possible. But again, um, students are coming from a very eclectic background and I gotta be wa- I gotta be aware and also wary, um, yeah. of what they're reading. Like have they got the staples what are the staples right what can i reimagine as staples can i give give them like what can i give you know folks yeah and also culturally i mean from when we got our education that was amazing you know with barbara like i've often wondered what that department would be like now i know I, i can't even you know and 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 with like trigger warnings and PC culture and all that stuff. Like I, I really wonder what, it, what kids these days are doing in art school, <laughs> you know, like how do you, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's a complicated thought and it's a really kind of difficult thing to consider. So Ali, let's, um, let's wrap it up here. I want to sure. ask you a couple of last questions yeah. that I've been asking people the first one. And we kind of have answered a little bit of these, of both of them, but, I want to ask you what sort of advice you wish you would have gotten when you were younger that would have been really helpful for you. And then what advice you want to, or what you want people to get from your work or what advice you want them to get. So like advice, like if when I was a kid or advice when I was like a work, like a young undergrad, either one, I think both are helpful. Well, I think any advice would have really helped. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cause, uh, First generation college student here trying yeah, to make for like, sure. um, I think getting out of the like neighborhood was, you know, but, um, I think if I would have like heard, like if I would have advice, I, I wish I could have, um, heard was like, you're important. You're a good human. You're a good artist. You're a good teacher. You're smart, like validation. Validation. And I think that's something that can go so far considering how perhaps insecurity or anxiety or depression or just some some more validity, like you are valid as a human or as a maker or whatever path you may choose. Or maybe you don't know your path and that's okay. Yeah. I think that's something I should really That's a great lesson. Yeah. To my students is your parents are have a lot or like whoever in your life is is expecting undergrad is it. And it's like, no, it's, it's where you're figuring yourself out and like you are valid and you are okay. And your path is going to go circuitous. It's going to be circuitous. You're going to figure it out once you can see it in the background, Mm -hmm. but yeah, just keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And then in giving advice, um, I think it's important that these conversations happen more often. And that's a shout out to Ivan. But, (laughs) But, I do think it's real because I just had 
such insightful moments in this dialogue yeah. that I Good. don't and no no and I don't think it happens enough. Right. Like, no, I agree it doesn't happen enough. So yeah. like whether it's a sit down like formal moment or it's like you're having a coffee or it's having like figuring out who you connect with how you, who asks good questions, how you answer those questions. I mean, that is what's going to build and drive and push, I mean, whatever you're making or doing or wanting, right? Because those people, right, are what's going to drive us. Exactly. So community, essentially, right? Yeah, good advice. And conversations. So homework, go validate somebody. And go talk <laughs> to somebody because somebody needs to hear from you. Do it. Do it. Oli, thank you so much. Thank you, Ivan. We'll see you in December. Yes, thank you so Love much. Love you so much. Love you, baby. And there you go. That was the interview with Oli. Thank you for listening. Follow Oli at olirodriguez.com. That's O-L-I-R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z.com. And his Instagram, Oliverio V. Rodriguez. This podcast was recorded, produced, and edited by Ivan Lozano in Chicago, Illinois. Follow me, IvanLozano.net, and Instagram, IvanLozanoStudio. That's I-V-A-N-L-O-Z-A-N-O. Thank you to the Propeller Fund for your support. Theme music by La Spacer, Natalie Murillo. You can follow her on Instagram and Mixcloud. And again, subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks for listening.